Hello, I'm Michael O'Toole. Welcome to another edition of Shattered Lives, the Irish Daily Stars Crime Podcast. Today is an intriguing one. Our chief reporter Paul Healy has an extended one-on-one interview with Ian Bailey. As you will know, Mr Bailey stands convicted in the French courts of the murder of filmmaker Sophie Toscan de Plantier. She was beaten to death at her home in school in West Cork in December 1996. He was convicted in his absence by a court in Paris in 2019 and given a 25-year sentence. That's despite the offence happening in Ireland. And it's also despite the fact that the Irish Director of Public Prosecutions refused to charge him here. In fact, the DPP ruled on two separate occasions that there simply was not enough evidence to sustain a prosecution here. It's also important to stress that Mr Bailey has consistently denied any involvement in the murder of Ms Duplantier. This really is an excellent interview. Paul pulls no punches and neither does Mr Bailey. Ian Bailey, uh, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. We we really uh, appreciate your time. Um, I think I was saying to you before we started the call here that you know you've done many a documentary now and a podcast. You've been interviewed a thousand times over, and and mm-hmm. you'd be hard pressed to find a person in Ireland who does not know uh, about the murder of Sophie Toscan de Plantier and about your story. But um, it's a fascinating story, and it's one that continues to captivate people. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't know if people have necessarily heard you in this kind of long format speaking at length. So I appreciate you doing it with us and sitting down, but may I ask you, you asked me to speak a bit of Irish. So, so firstly and foremost, uh, Kunis Ah, Tommy Gama, I get too fain. Tommy Gama, that's about as much Irish as I know now, Ian, so we're going to have to leave. Well, we might, we might switch to a, stick to Bela, then, yeah. Well, listen, I'm going to follow a, a somewhat unconventional process here where I'm just going to try and have a chat with you because, look, it's I've spoken to you many times now over the years. So we have, and you have, many a time spoken uh, on, on this topic and you've been asked the same questions over and over. So we're just going to see where it takes us. There are obviously things I want mm-hmm. to discuss with you, but let's see where it takes us. I, I'd like to first, yeah. firstly just ask you about the here and now because you are in the process of making your own podcast, which is Ian Bailey in his own words. So tell me a bit about just why did you decide to do this now? Well, I've, I've wanted to do it for a good while because I've never, no, nobody's actually heard me have my own say on the matter. You know, it's been the, 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 the commented on by many and many different people, but nobody's actually heard my account of it. So mm-hmm. what I have been doing is recording a series of podcasts. I'm not sure if there are going to be three or four of them. And I'm almost at the end of that process. And I'm hoping to release episode one on St. Patrick's Day. And how can people access that? Well, episode one will be free on all uh, streaming podcast platforms. And then I have a web domain, ianbailey.net. Right. Um, and this is, is it essentially a monologue, Ian? Like, is it just you talking? Yes, it is. It, it, it is. I, I had been hoping to do it with uh, two voices, an interviewee, but that wasn't possible. So it's right. it's just me, and I've been writing the script, and then I record the script with a technical, um, my technical man, and then he he perfects it, and and it'll go out. As I say, episode one will go out hopefully on St Patrick's Day. This is a story that everyone in in Ireland at this stage must be familiar with in some capacity. There's been two uh, documentaries, one on Netflix and and one on Sky, and it never stopped hitting the headlines. So. <laughs> To a degree, are, are you not sick of it? Are you not sick and tired nearly? Well, I, I, I think I have become sort of overwhelmed by it at certain points over the last 26 years. Mm-hmm. This has been going on for over a quarter of a century now. But I've learned, I've had my own coping mechanisms, which I developed and learned. And one of them was is detachment meditation. 
So I'm able to function and get on with my own life and creativity at the same time as letting all the stuff externally, you know, just go go, uh, go on. Do you enjoy the attention to a degree? No, I don't enjoy the attention. This is a, um, it's been used as a sort of stick to beat me up as though I somehow enjoy it. Mm. I deal with it. I deal with it, you know, and I, I don't think there's anybody else alive who's been put through what I've been put through and my former partner as well. Mm. You know, I've been arrested twice domestically, three times on a European arrest warrant. I don't think that's ever happened. And I just deal with the, the uh, uh, you know, I just deal with it the best way I can. And that's all I can do. But I suppose, was it ever trying for you over the years? Was it ever too much? Oh, huge, huge, hugely. Uh, at certain times, yeah, I was completely overwhelmed. Now, somehow I managed to come through that and, and you know, develop strengths. My, hmm. my beliefs, if you like, my spiritual beliefs have been tested and tried, but they've actually grown stronger. Uh, I've got a lot of support from a lot of people, uh, and uh, to this day here in West Cork, uh, I know there are one or two people who are against me, but then you all can have the odd big grudger or two. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, it robbed me of my career. Uh, it robbed me of you know, I was a journalist, an experienced senior journalist. I still am, although I'm not actively writing for newspapers anymore. Uh, and, you know, it finally, last two years ago, it, it, it finished up destroying my long-term relationship. Uh, so I, I lost an awful lot of what might have been called reasonable, legitimate expectation. Yeah. Um, and as you were probably aware, back in June of two years ago, I wrote to Drew Harris as a clean pair of hands and asked him to consider um, a cold case oh, review. It, it took a year for him to... Um, sanction that cold case review and that cold case review is on, ongoing as I speak to you. Yeah, I, I want to come back to that but I, I, I suppose just in speaking about the here and now you've mentioned there that the destruction of your relationship so was 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 that the catalyst to the end of your relationship with Jules Thomas the, the all of the pressure of all of this or what what was yeah I think for two individuals to be put through what we were put through and she mm. said my and I'm, I'm I'm very supportive of Jules and very sympathetic to her and I'm also supporting her and helping her in her case against um, Netflix she's taking a legal action against them for their three-part uh, documentary yeah uh, no I mean it was just too much it was too much for anybody to be put through really and I, I I'm, I'm very sympathetic to her <laughs> You forgive me for asking personal questions, but I suppose uh, uh, there's a lot of this already in the public domain. And, and uh, yeah, fire, fire, away, fire away, whether you've liked it or not, you've become a public figure. So, was that a conversation that you and Jules had? Was it? Did she say to you, "This is too much, and I can't, I can't be around someone such as yourself not, anymore"? With all no, I, I mean, or? not really. No, I mean, she she let me know via a third party there back in March of two years ago that, that as far as she was concerned, our journey was over. It was a big shock for me. Um, I dealt with it. I actually called that particular phase of my life Operation Vacate and Relocate. I had to go into temporary emergency accommodation there for a while. I'm now out of that. Um, no, you know, I mean, it's just too much. And I, I'm, I mean, she, she suffered hugely. I mean, I've, I've suffered too, but she, you know, she's a woman. And, and she's a strong woman, but, you know, we're, we're different animals. So, but did she feel? I, I don't ask questions. Maybe that maybe she could answer. But what was it? A, a, I'm getting the sense from you that she felt the the public scrutiny and the pressure around being 
with someone such as yourself who who is non-stop in the media was too much for her. Would that be fair? Or I, I think I think she's on record of saying that actually mm-hmm. yes, and I can understand that. I mean she she's a quite retiring sort of artist, and I'm quite an outgoing sort of different um, uh, sort of personality. Yeah. So uh, it was probably easier for me to deal with it than it was for her. But and you know I want I, I you know I bless her. I'm sympathetic to her, and I'm supporting her in her case against Netflix. Yeah. Were there other strains in in the relationship other than uh, what was going on in relation to to the media attention and that? Uh, not particularly, no. I mean, I think there's you know relationships are relationships, aren't they? Yeah. You know, and we we all um, we all know that you know they come and maybe they go, and it's a sad yeah. thing when they go. But, you know, one has to accept that and move on, which is what I'm I'm trying to do. Because look, I, you know, I had to ask you the question. I mean, obviously, it's it's a long time ago now, but you were, um, and you you're on record in relation to this that 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 you had assaulted Jules in the past. Um, yeah, on three occasions. Um, it's shameful. It was my, my I've accepted responsibility. There was always drink involved. It was mm-hmm. shameful. I corrected my behaviour, and I'm internally um, shameful to myself for that. But I can't change that. I can only change, yeah. you know, the. Um, the future really and they were that was when drink was taken as you said in in all of those occasions yes yeah and that's and look, look that's been passed over and, and examined and, and gone yeah. through in many different formats and it's a long time ago you know and as i say mm. we, we all need to be able to move on but none of that had any strain on the relationship in 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 the in, in the breakup of the relationship did it no i, no, I don't i don't think so no, right no. Okay, um, I'll move on from that. Sorry, I just I, I asked. I, I thought in tandem with speaking about that, it was important to, to raise that. Look, as you're on record speaking about it, and as you you as you say, you're ashamed of it, um, and and you look back at it as a as a dark chapter in your life. Would that be fair? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to go over chapter and verse everything uh, in relation to the history of this case because I think people are aware of it. But just to remind people that uh, Miss Toscan de Plantier, French filmmaker, um, that she had a holiday home down there in school, and uh, around Christmas time, nineteen ninety six, uh, she was discovered murdered uh, at the driveway there of her home. Um, and as people know, uh, you were arrested uh, in relation to it. You were questioned a year later. Again, you were arrested and uh, you vehemently denied it the whole way through. And it became an absolute media circus uh, surrounding you. May I ask you just... I mean, I mean, just to put, to put, let, let's put it in context, OK? Yeah. I have, I'll say this, and I've said this a thousand times, so I have nothing on my conscience. I have nothing to do with this sad, sad mm-hmm. murder of Madame de Plantier. I was the lead reporter on it. I was uh, in the area. Yeah, former Fleet Street investigative. You know, I worked with the Sunday Times Insight team and various other newspapers and organizations. And I was the lead journalist on it. And then within, I think, five weeks of the crime, I was first arrested on the 11th of February, 1997, mm-hmm. uh, as was my partner, Jules. And we were both given a very, very hard, rough time um, by the um, interrogating guards. And then 12 months later, I was arrested again. And then I think maybe five years after the first arrest, Jules was arrested for a second time. You know, so we, we've been, been put through an awful lot of, of unnecessary uh suffering and 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 um you know yeah. anyway 
But I, I, to be fair, Ian, there were circumstances. I know you, you have your questions about how the Gardaí handled their investigation and, and that they pinpointed you, as you say. But there were um, issues at hand in terms of allegedly you had made, uh, and we'll get to, to this in more detail, uh, allegedly had made confessions to people, although I know you dispute that and say it was your dark sense of humour. And then there was the the cuts that you had uh, to to your arms and and to your forehead, am I right? So there were, and they, well, they did I mean, a drawing in relation right. to that, the guards. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a multi-pointed um, question, but so, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I, I right, so it's one, it's been accepted by the DPP that I had nothing to do with it, and that the police investigation into me by pinpointing me and allow, putting my name out there was a flawed and prejudiced um, investigation. But can I stop you there? Is, there? is it the case that the DPP have accepted you nothing to do with it, or is it the case that the DPP decided oh, that, the there was no, that there was no evidence in which to charge you? The, DPP, the DPP's report by Robert Sheehan back in 2001, which we didn't get until 2011 when we were yeah. dealing with a... Um, you know, a, a Supreme Court appeal against the, an extradition order. Completely, if you read it, it absolutely traduces uh, and rejects any of the police evidence, so-called evidence, uh, and claim that I was the murderer. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very emphatic. Mm. I suppose if this had happened in modern day and you were taken in for questioning and there were, there were, they were noticing things like cuts on your arms, photographs would have been taken. Is that fair? Would I, afford- I don't know. I mean, yeah. all I know is then, and this is 26 years ago, the guards, I would, the guards I was dealing with then were very to put it politely, unsophisticated, and they were determined to put me in the frame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I've been trying, to, I've been trying to fight that, you know, yeah. false narrative. It was a false narrative that they created that I somehow, unexplainedly, without any evidence, without any forensics, without any yeah. actual real evidence, that there was maybe what they might want to call quotes circumstantial mm-hmm. evidence. Uh, you know, were out to get me. Yeah, well, may I ask you about the the, the alleged uh, confessions, right? Because there, over the years, there were a number of people who came forward and said that they had interactions with yourself, uh, where they alleged uh, that that you made confessions uh, or alluded to your involvement in the murder of Miss Toscan de Plantier. And I, I I I give you an opportunity to speak on this, but I'm just I'm going to read out. Uh, one example, I'm going to read out Billy Fuller, right? So in the recent Netflix documentary, he recounted his alleged interaction with yourself. And he said that he went up to your house uh, and you asked him, did you, did you want a glass of cider? And he brought up to you that people were alleging that you were, uh, stuff about you uh, howling at the moon and that. I'm sure you recall that and you've denied that. And he, the quote that I have from him here, he says that you became quite white knuckled and astonished. And you said, you fucker, you saw her that day, the day before she was killed. You saw her tight arse and wanted to give her one. Um, and he said that you said uh, he went up to her house at about two o'clock in the morning. She ran away screaming, scared, took a stone to the back of her head. And he realized and you realized you went too far. And he took that to mean that he was that you were inferring to him that that it was actually, in fact, what what you had done. And he was quite scared by that interaction. And he feels that you were essentially confessing to him that day. So what do you say to that? 
Nonsense, absolute nonsense. I mean, Billy, Billy Falano, I don't want to get into personalities, you know. No, please, um, please don't. For just the, alleg- the central allegation that this conversation happened, did it happen first and foremost? No, no, he did. He did come up to the house briefly. I recall that. Uh, but the uh, what, what he said, and he also made a statement saying that I had told him that Madame de Plantier and her lover or one of her lovers had come round to the prairie for dinner with myself and Jules. He made that statement actually relatively recently, I think last year, again reiterated it, complete and absolute nonsense. So can you recall the conversation you had with him? Well, no, not exactly. But all I know is whatever Billy Fuller says is, is, has to be taken with a very, very big pinch of salt. But is it, is it feasible that you would have said something to the effect of you fucker, you did, and would you have said no, I don't. I don't think so. You know, it, mm. it, this is uh, that's 26 years ago. Mm. I can't remember exactly what was said, but certainly what Billy Fuller said, I said, was not the case. Right. And then, you know, I'm going to bring up uh, Richie and Rosie Shelley, um, and they, they say that they were in a pub in, in school with you. Uh, and that that after the end at the end of the night or to to a later point in the night after a few drinks that you were allegedly emotional and you were crying and you said something to the effect of I did it I did it I went too far, and they took you quite yeah, seriously. What, in, what in, I what I what I actually said, and this was a, a mantra, a cracked mantra that was used when I was uh, under arrest on the first occasion. The the cops, the guy, the Garda Shiakana and interrogating officers kept saying, you did it, you did it, you did it. Mm-hmm. And it was as though, and they told Jules that she was arrested um, shortly after myself. And not only that, they, at one point, one of the uh, d- detectives went into Jules and said, oh, Ian's confessed. And she didn't believe that I had, and I hadn't. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, it's the right mess. So you think that the Shelleys misinterpreted what you said that night yes yes I, I think they did and it's interesting to note that their misinterpretation was given six months after the 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 the, the, the new year's eve event mm-hmm. um and then obviously i'm going to mention another incident with with, with the young fella in the car that you gave a lift and and his allegation that you said we're you talking went... about you talk, we, 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 we're talking about Malachi Reed. Indeed, Malachi uh, who, Reed. Yes, uh, but yeah, the, no, his, I'll, I'll let you respond in a second. Sorry, Ian, but he, he his allegation was that you said you went up there and bashed your brains in with a rock. Did you say that? No, no, I didn't. What I said to him was, he asked me how things were going, and mm-hmm. I said they were going well until somebody started putting a rumor around mm-hmm. that I had, I was the murderer, and that I'd, I'd done the deed with a, with a block. And, and, you know, he, he was then... Um, Did you say uh, bash your brains? Did you say bash your brains with a rock? No, I don't, I don't think I did. I think I said to him things were going well until somebody started the rumour, uh, which grew, you know, legs mm. and wings, uh, that I was the killer. And I noticed there in the 64-day in the case I took against the state, you might remember back in 2014, yes. 2015, Malachi Reed was not called as a witness, you, mm. you know, and I think if you spoke to Malachi Reed, he would, I don't know, you need to talk to him. I think he's in Cork City. Um, I'm not quite sure. I think, anyway. Right. 
and the and these all of these um, so-called uh, admissions were actually classified by the DPP's offices as quote alleged informal admissions, mm-hmm. and the DPP's officer Robert Sheehan acknowledged the fact that I have a, a, what may be called a dark sense of humour or a black gallows sense of humour, and I made light, and I shouldn't have done, of the fact that I was picking up on the fact it was being said that I was the murderer. And I shouldn't have done that. That was unwise, but I did. And Mm -hmm. and that's uh, history. So you're saying at the absolute worst here, you had a dark sense of humour and you were making light of the situation on numerous occasions to numerous people. Well, maybe four or five occasions, I think. I don't know. But... um... And Dermot Dwyer, who you know who full well who he is, who, who was involved in the original investigation, he's on this Netflix documentary saying uh, something to the effect of this five million people in this country isn't as amazing that only one of them is going around constantly talking about murdering this woman. Um, what do you say to that? Well, I haven't seen the Netflix. I've, uh, that's, certain... what, that, that's effectively what he says. And I rewatched some of it there last night just to refresh myself. Uh, the, the, the quote is, it's amazing out of... Something like it's amazing out of the five million people that there's only one fella ever talking about killing her, and he's referring to you. Uh, well, I don't know because I haven't seen it, but all I know is that Dermot Jeremiah O'Dwyer, former chief detective superintendent, retired. Yeah. Uh, also in the Netflix, he he uh, he is says that I somehow burnt a coat or destroyed a coat, mm-hmm. black coat that I was wearing. Now, that was easily disproved as a lie because when you look at the list of items that were taken from me on my first arrest and then returned to me, number one item is a long black coat. I never got it back from the guards and nobody ever explained what happened to it, rather like the the blood-stained gate at the entrance to Madame de Plantier's cottage. It just disappeared. I just in mentioning the coat, uh, there was a lady who stayed with yourself and Jules around that time, Ar- Ariana Barina, I'm probably mispronouncing her name, a foreign student who was staying with you. And uh, yeah. she recounts seeing uh, this particular coat being washed or uh, being soaked in a, in a bucket in, in the bathroom. And she thought that that was unusual. What do you say well, to that? It's total nonsense to suggest that there was a black coat being mm-hmm. soaked in a bucket at the prairie after the um, event. Mm-hmm. And it's not only provable because I'm actually seen wearing that black coat on the, at the Christmas Day swim in Skull on the Christmas Day of 1996. Right. And when it comes to the cuts, the cut to your forehead and the cuts to your arms, can you see how... Well, I, I, I know you're right, going to explain that in a second, but can you see how yeah. the average punter who is just hearing about this story and reading about it, um, and they hear your explanation about culling turkeys and cutting Christmas trees. Can you see how the average punter might think that's quite farcical, um, an explanation? Well, they may, may think it, but I don't know if they do think it's farcical. Mm-hmm. It was that true that I did kill a turkey and I got a slight scratch on the top of my head, above my hairline. Mm-hmm. And then in taking down the top of a Sitka spruce Christmas tree, well, we were trying to save money, actually, yeah. uh, rather than buying a Christmas tree. So I went up the tree with Safi, Jules's eldest daughter, on the ground, and I drew, saw the top of the tree and dragged the top of the tree down through the tree, and I got a few light, non-blood scratches marks on my arms. When was that? And 
that would have been on the Sunday, the 22nd of December. That's to say the day before mm. the, the body was found. Because am I right in saying, I, I, certainly in, in research in the case, there are witnesses who recall seeing cuts on you following um, Sophie Toscana Plantier's murder, but, but not the day before. Um, I don't know. Uh, all I know is that it's uh, nonsense to suggest that I had anything to do with it and that uh-huh. those marks and, and um, slight scratches that I had on my arms came from the assault. Absolute nonsense. Right. Um, and, and being, a, I'm, I'm, I'm nearly giving you, I'm just giving you the greatest hits of, of accusations against you here, Ian, but I, 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 yeah. I, we could speak for an hour, but in terms of... We could speak, we could speak for several hours, but then we could, we could, but in, in terms of, as you said, you were a journalist and you were the first, one of the first on the scene, you were first on the scene. Um, you knew very early on uh, that this was a French lady that had been killed. Um, and there's an alleg- there's allegations out there that you had told people uh, that you had crime scene photos as early as 11 o'clock in the morning. And you knew an nonsense. awful lot of information I, 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 that I, I, nobody I, I, else knew. Absolute nonsense. Right. What, I turned what, up, I turned up there. You know? What did you know at 11 a.m.? Well, I, I, did, I didn't know anything at all about the crime until about 22-2 on the Monday, the 23rd, when I had a phone call from Eddie Cassidy of the Cork Examiner, mm-hmm. now the, the Irish Examiner. And he gave me basic details and he asked me to go out and make some inquiries ahead of him coming down from Clonakilty. Yeah. And I did that. Now, I had knowledge of the fact that because I'd worked for one of, um, the, I mean, I said one of, I think the only neighbor that um, um, Madame de Plantier had was Alf Lyons and his partner, Shirley Foster. And I had knowledge of the fact that next door to Alf Lyons's cottage, was a cottage that was owned and sometimes occupied by a French lady. Um, and nothing more than that. It was suggested that I had been introduced to her. Again, a complete and erroneous um, falsehood. Uh, I didn't know her. I'd never been introduced to her. Well, on that point, as you say, you never met her. You you knew of her presence in school. You knew that there was a French lady staying in school. Is that correct? I didn't know. Well, all, all I knew when I had a phone call from Eddie Cassidy, and he did suggest it was a, for, a, for, a foreign national, and I actually found my notebooks there quite a while back, possibly French. And then I was driving. I was going to drive to the post office. There was a post office in Tormore at the time run by a lady who's now, the post office is now long closed. My nan German was the postmistress. Mm. And on the way to the um, post office, I met with Shirley Foster, who was driving her car away from the the cottages, as it were, towards Skull. And I asked her, I said, Did you, have you seen anything of Garda, the guards around? And she said, yes, they're, they're all up the lane. Mm. Shirley Foster drove on and I drove towards the scene. I was with Jules. It was that. So uh, that was timed at around about 20 past two in the Garda log. Um, I made some inquiries. I was a good distance away from the actual scene. Uh, two guards wandered up the track towards me, um, Billy Byrne and um, another one. And I said to them, I was there for the examiner. Was there any information forthcoming? And they mm-hmm. said, no, any information will have to come through Garda Central Press Office in Dublin. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I retreated. I went to the post office um, and they'd heard of the, 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 the incident. 
Right. And then I, um, I got on with reporting what little I knew. And then I went back up there later on with Mike Brown, a photographer, Reuters photographer, and Eddie Cassidy was there. And I spoke with J.P. Toomey, uh, as did Eddie Cassidy. And there was very little information being given out at that particular point. Yeah, because look, that, the, the allegation is you knew an awful lot very early. And you've attributed that in the past to your sources. Um, is it fair I mean, to no, say yeah, that no. you, knew, you knew a lot? Is it fair to say you knew a lot quite early on? Well, I, I mean, I, I, you know what it's like when you're a journalist. You, yep. you ask questions, don't you? You know. And, yeah. You know, I was I was asking questions. I was picking up mm. strands of information, mm. and I was just doing my job. And I'm, you know, I was a very good reporter. I, I probably still could be. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, I don't want to linger on, on on all of this for too long in terms of mm-hmm. repeating old history. But uh, you 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 mentioned the fact that you you didn't know Sophie. You knew of a French person is possibly staying mm. there in that house. Um, you know of Agnes Thomas, a friend of uh, Sophie Toscano Plantier, and and she's she can recall having a conversation with Sophie prior to her murder, uh, where she says that 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 um, Sophie was talking about uh, meeting a man who write, writes poems, and that the man wanted to meet her to talk about a project around poetry, and that she found him odd, uh, and she found him a bit worrying as a character. Um, and she she said, okay. she said, "Don't see him alone. Don't see him in a public place." She fully believes that Sophie was speaking about you. What do you say to that? Well, I, uh, I don't know because um, you know, I, all I know is that I didn't know her. I wasn't introduced to her. I mm. had no knowledge of her, um, other than that she was a French um, citizen, and I think maybe Alf Lyons told me that she worked in in television or film, I'm not quite sure, one or the other. Right. So I, 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 I can't explain what other people have said, which I know to be untrue. I cannot. You'll, you'll have to go to them to, and ask them about it. Is that. it possible, Ian, that you had some sort of contact with her? And I, I know well, this sounds a bit... I, 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 I'm not aware that I did. Um, right. Um, you know, I, I I didn't know her. As I said, I ne- was never introduced to her. Mm. Um, I think she was relatively she was quite private. I mean, a few people on the Mizzen Peninsula seemed to know her. She was friendly with Tommy, now past Tommy Ungerer and his wife Yvonne. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think she was particularly well known. She was quite. I think she was quite quiet and retiring. Mm. Oh, there's, there's, there are many people, though, Ian, who, who contradict and, and say that they 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 believe that you had contact with with Sophie. Uh, and Guy Girard is another example, um, and and he says that Sophie had said uh, that she was speaking to you and that you were interested in stories of domestic violence and that you wanted to speak to her. And and, and she so it's, it's another individual who says that that Sophie was speaking to them about you and that she had prior knowledge of you and that and that you had expressed wanting to meet her and to discuss this project and to discuss domestic violence i mean what are all these people making it up or are they misremembering well i i I don't know you'd have to you'd have to ask them but certainly it is untrue Mm. um i'm I'm not i think guy girard may be part of the family group of the so the the, the thing no i mean that the it's untrue. It's absolutely untrue. Right. And, you know, I mean, people should ask themselves this question as well, if they've got any doubt. Do they think that somebody who could have done this terrible, terrible crime could have survived for 26 years 
always, always fighting to clear their name. Mm. And, you know, I went up to UCC for a, a number of years, five years, and came away with three degrees of law. And could anybody who had done that crime, you know, have survived as long as I have? I don't think so. There were a number of strands that were never followed up. There was an unexplained suicide of a German national who lived mm. nearby. Um who returned to Germany and killed himself and apparently left a letter saying he'd done something terrible, but that was never investigated. From the moment the guards first decided to put me in the frame, there was no serious investigation yeah. because it's a bit like the Birmingham Six and the Guildford Four. Once you've decided to put people in the frame, and there's only one of me, well, there were four and six of them, it, you don't bother going down any genuine investigative tracks because if you do, you're going to undermine the false narrative that you're framing to to put somebody in the frame. Mm -hmm. May I ask you, I'm going to ask you briefly about Marie Farrell. I don't want to get into this too much because it, it, it's complicated. But the guards who originally investigated this case would say, not all of them, but, but Dermot Dwyer would say that Marie Farrell didn't change her story for 10 years, uh, that she said she was in fear of you. And she said that that, that you had threatened her. And she said her original version of events was she she was the person who supposedly spotted you at Kailfada Bridge, um, uh, placed you there close to the the crime. And we know that that she has since uh, retracted that story and changed her story and said that she was pressured by the yeah. guards. Um, but taking I, I'm going to I'm going to ask it this way, taking that into account uh, that that in her original story she said she was in fear of you and she said that you threatened her and then with the incidents of violence against Jules in the past and the fact that you're quite a big and imposing man I've met you you're a big a big fella um can you see how people may when initially when your name came out as a suspect and all of this detail came out um can you see how women in school and, and elsewhere may have feared you. And and I'm going to ask you that question directly. Should the women of Ireland fear Ian Bailey? Right. Well, to answer your last question first, not at all. No. Uh, now, there was an immense effort put into trying to put me in the frame. Yeah. I never interrogated Maria Farrell. And in fact, Maria Farrell has told her story. She was, uh, in effect, the guards had some leverage on her because she there was something going on I don't know very much about it. Mm -hmm. And they persuaded her to make false statements. I got some of the statements during the um, one of the cases, and we looked at them. Mm -hmm. And some of the statements started off dated on one date. And when they were finished, they were dated on another date. Yeah. And they were manufactured statements. And I think it's been long accepted, certainly by a large number of people, that her statements, she was browbeaten into believing that I was the murderer. Don't forget, they went to a lot of, oh, look, he is the, he is the killer, he is the killer. Mm -hmm. that, that's called, people, it's called suggestibility. Once mm -hmm. you've sort of sown doubt in somebody's mind, you can get them up to almost say and agree with anything. And mm -hmm. that's what happened with Maria Farrell. Bless her. And I've long forgiven her for her, um, her false statements. Right. She's long, you know, um, tell the truth right I'll come back to that in a moment but just on the point about as I said you're, you're a big imposing guy people have made allegations over the years that you're a different guy after a few drinks and that you're quite a, a scary and imposing individual that, and, and this is not my words um, as I said whose words, are, whose words are they then if they're not your words 
Well, it, 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 well, I'm speaking so for Marie, obviously Marie Farrell has retracted her statement about you, you being threatening, and then um, Jules, Jules herself, you know, she was very badly assaulted by yourself. You had hair, clumps of hair pulled out. So when people read those details in isolation, is what I'm saying to you, Ian. Um, is is do is there another Ian Bailey? Is there a is there an Ian Bailey that people don't see? Well, I don't know. I mean, the, I. I... A, no, violent, I mean, a violent man, I, I, I mean. Are you a, are you a violent man? And, sure, and, sure, and, and that, that question, like I asked you, you said women shouldn't fear you. But when they see these details of, of prior assaults and alleged intimidation, um, you know, that's why I'm asking you that question. No, no. The, the, so the question is what exactly? But should, should anyone have, have reason to fear you? No, absolutely not at all. The only people that need to be afraid of me are those who lied and conspired mm-hmm. to, to create the false narrative, mm-hmm. but nobody else should. So we, we're, we're, we're coming now to the other side of the story. As you say, there are other versions out there that have never been explored, other people that uh, suspects you, you believe uh, need to be looked at. What do you think? If it wasn't you, Ian, who was it? What? Who, I, 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 you see, I can't, I can't prove. You can have yeah. a theory, can't you? Yeah. And you know, as a journalist... I mean, when I was active as a journalist, I would I would copper bottom any things that I was going to say were fact. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, all I know is there was a huge amount of effort put in by the guards and, and Dermot Dwyer into putting me into the frame for a crime I had nothing to do with, and it's mm-hmm. tarnished and it's taken up twenty six years of my life. Yeah, but surely, sorry to interrupt you, but surely, you know, yeah. as you're a journalist, you're someone with interest in, in, in the story, uh, regardless of that. And and you, you, you mean, and you probably know the story inside out more than most. You must have a theory. What do you think happened? Well, I mean, clearly, you know, there was one theory that it was horses in a field next door to where she lived that had, had committed the crime or killed her. Well, mm-hmm. I think that one can be completely rejected. Clearly, she died at somebody's hand. There were a number of strands of evidence that were not followed up. There was a car that was speeding away, a blue Ford Fiesta that was seen speeding away that almost caused the man to crash on the Monday morning at around about 7.30. Mm. Uh, that man was driving up from Goline up to Cork. He reported that to the guards on the on the 24th, Christmas Eve, and that statement was never followed up. Right. Um, and, I mean, the, re- the reason I think I... Remember seeing a quote from Dermot Dwyer, I think it was in Parry Match one, saying, we knew who it was from day one. He, he I think it was, decided to be in the frame. And, you know, from that point on, my life became, um, you, you know, severely, severely uh, affected. And, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 you're asking me these questions now, today, 26 years on. You know, so it's yeah. still going on. I mean, I, I, I mean, I just focus on the here and now, um, yeah. where I am now. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I love poetry. I always have. I, I was a poet before I became a journalist. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, try to make the best of a bad job. Also, right. you've got the fact that Jim Sheridan has, who brought out the murder at the cottage documentary for Sky TV. I think he's in LA mm-hmm. at the moment. I noticed there that he had a, an independent pathologist report done on. Um, yeah, so this is the story that was in the Irish Mirror there yesterday uh, by John Kieran's and and um, uh, Mr. Sheridan told him. Just sorry, I'm just uh, telling our listeners who haven't read the story uh, that that he had, had an independent um, post mortem uh, that was done 
and the determination of that was was strangulation. Is that right? I think I think what he said was may may have been she may, may have been strangled. Yeah, what to he be, said. yeah, not not absolutely conclusively, but that before that, b- before the before the blunt object before the the yeah. rock was used. The coup de gras, I think the French call it. Yeah. Because, you know, look, if you're looking at it from an amateur sleuth point of view, when you see the the weapon that was used, it, it almost feels more like a crime of opportunity rather than, say, a well, premeditated, planned hit, if you get me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, the, it was always, it always struck me as very strange that the husband and Madame de Planty was the third wife of Daniel Tuscan de Plantier, who was, who's now dead. He died, I think he died in, a few years ago now. Who was head of the national film, uh, French film company Unifrance, didn't journey to Ireland to identify the body. And I mean, I always thought that was very, very strange. Yeah. And I also ascertained from two sources, reliable, that there was a large amount of insurance money on Madame Plantier's life. Now, who stood to benefit by her death? You are with a crime. You quite often ask the Latin phrases used, "qui bono," who benefits. Who gains from a crime? And you look for a motive in that direction. And that was never considered, you know, and I, I don't know why. It's it's hard, that. though, for a lot of people to believe in, and even for myself, I'll be br- brutally honest about this. So I was down in school in, I think, 2021, and we were doing a feature piece in, in, uh, after the emergence of these documentaries. Uh, and we tried oh. to find we tried to find the house where where uh, Miss Toscan de Plantier lived. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, once you ask somebody for directions, you'll find it because everybody knows it now obvious for obvious reasons but i would what i would put to you that in 1996 certainly without without google maps especially and even with google maps it is an especially difficult house to find if you're not a local you you wouldn't know it you wouldn't be able oh, to no, find you it no you wouldn't you, you you could spend a month of sundays trying to find it it's mm. down at the end of a, an isolated blind boring in other words a boring that just sort of peters out into into wilderness and the mountainside yeah. No, it's very, very difficult to find. But so how it's not, it's not, how, could, how could anybody other than a local, especially in 1996, uh, carry out that well, murder? Well, I don't know because uh, I know the house was actually bought for her by her uh, husband, Daniel Toscan de Plantier, back in 19, in the early 1990s. I don't, I don't know if he... I think he did come over on a number of occasions. So it would have been known to people in France, you know? Mm-hmm. But... um. Look, I, 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 I'm almost sick and tired of saying this, but I will. I will always say it. I have nothing to do with this. Yeah. You know, I was, I, and, and it's a terrible, terrible tragedy. And uh, there is a cold case review now, which I'm hoping is going to maybe shed light on the true identity of the murderer. Mm-hmm. I am standing by, and I've said this, and I'm prepared to, to assist the guards in any way that I can. I had anticipated they may have been in touch with me by now because it's been going on for. Uh, it's been going on since June, I think, of last year. Yeah. Uh, they haven't been in touch with me. As soon as they are, I'm prepared, very happy to talk to them and answer any questions they may want to ask of me. Mm. And my, and my, have... prayer is, my, prayer, my prayer has always been, for my sake and Jules' sake, and maybe the family's sake, that the true identity of the murderer emerges before. I'm, I mean, I'm getting older now. You know, I'm, we're mm. all getting older. You know, before I, I'm dead and gone. Right. It will be not. It will be very, you know, <laughs> nice. You hear of people, you know, who who die and they're, they're branded and this, that, and the other, and then subsequently it turns out they had nothing to do with it. Well, it can't really help you when you're dead, can it? 
but um right. you know anyway is that um vindication important to you yeah, at this well, stage I think so. I think I, 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 very much so i mean I, I, i'll fight till my final breath mm. you know to, to try to do whatever i can and i think this cold case review is is potentially might offer some light i understand that there are inquiries being made in <laughs> france certainly uh interpol interpol have been brought into it mm. um I know there are people in the UK who were never contacted in the first instance. So I don't know what they can say who've been contacted. Um, yeah, you know. So, and I, I you, I'm, I'm just go on. May I ask you? Have you prepared yourself for the possibility? You're certainly giving the impression that 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 you don't think this is a possibility. But have you prepared yourself for the possibility that this all comes back to you again, and that you end up being suspect? Well, number it, one? It, if, if 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 it does, it's a case of trying to put a round peg into a square hole again. You know, and I think I, I think there's an. I mean, it's interesting to see the reaction of different sections of society down here in West Cork, for instance. I, I get a lot of support from the younger generation who weren't even alive when this happened. Um, I also get a lot of, uh, and I've got a lot of respect for them. The, the new newer guard, the new younger guard of Shirkana, you know, who seem to be a completely different, more. I don't know, intelligent, um, maybe better educated than a lot of the people I was dealing with back in 1996, 97, and, you know, over the years. So you're hopeful that uh, this investigation will, will, will clear you ultimately. That's well, I, 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 I mean, <laughs> clear me. I mean, vindication will be lovely. I think the fact is if it can be established who was the murderer, that is absolute vindication, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And uh, it is my hope and prayer that that um, eventuality is, comes yeah. about. What What is your wish for the person who carried out the murder of Sophie Tascon de Plantier? Do they deserve well, if, to spend the rest of their I life? Don't know. I, I think, are they still alive? I mean, that's a big question. Say they, know, are, are, they are still alive. alive. What, what, what fate does the person who carried out this murder, what do they deserve? Well, I mean, <laughs> there's a police cold case review. Uh, mm. I'm not, you know, I don't know how that's progressing. Um, I'm hoping that it will lead to the identification mm. and if, if they're still alive, the apprehension of the person responsible for this. And, you know, then it would be a matter of law up to law, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I'm, I'm, only, I'm only asking your personal opinion. I mean, if you ask that question of most people, they would say, oh, that anyone who carries out murder, it's a heinous crime. They deserve like, to spend a, a hefty well, they, sentence they, they, in yeah. prison. I mean, if, if it is identified and the, the, who is the murderer and the murderer is still alive, they will become subject to the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. I guess, of this country mm. and, and face whatever consequences, you know, a court decides they should face. Yeah, it's out of my hands. I mean, my, as I said, I, my hope and prayer has always been that mm. one, that the identity of the killer would come out. And I, I would. And Jules, you see, Jules has been implicated in this. I mean, the Netflix yes. documentary sort of implies that she's somehow shielding and, and, and a party yeah. to, you know, this. And she's not. She's, you know. Anyway. But it, it, I, I suppose I'm asking you more a personal question here, Ian, in terms of, you know, this was a, a horrible crime. This woman suffered a violent and, and horrific death. Fair to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the person, a person who is capable of carrying out that type of offence? What? Do I, you I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really give it too much thought. As I said, I don't know if the person is still alive. Mm. Um, if they are, then uh, you know, it would be good if they could be caught. Um, 
and brought to justice. You know, but is, that, in the meantime, is, that person, is that person evil? Is that person a monster? What uh, you're uh, you're not using those words, so I, I I'm not trying to put those words in your mouth. But that's certainly what I would say if you ask me that question. Someone who's capable of carrying out that type of crime, and gotten away with it for so long, uh, it's an act of evil. They're an evil person, and they clearly have no morals. You, what do you say? Well, I, I would, yeah, I'd agree with you on that. You see, I mean, the, the thing is, I I I have a life, okay, outside mm. of this. Uh, and you, you, you just taken me back into things that happened, you know, over a quarter of a century ago now. Yeah. At the same time, I mean, I'm, I'm prepared to assist, and I will assist the Garda Shirkana in any way that I can, if I can. Mm. And I would hope it would, it would, there would be some sort of re- resolution. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the meantime, my life goes on. I've got new projects on the go. I try to be as creative as I can. It's sometimes more, more difficult than others. Sometimes it's, it flows. And my priority at the moment is to to get my podcast done and dust and out there. I won't linger on this Uh, point, Dean, but do you you ever think about what happened to Sophie and what she suffered? And does that ever affect you? I know it's, I know, I know, as you say, it's got nothing to do with you, but given your closeness to the case and, and knowing what you know and knowing what she went through, just as a human being, what do you do? You ever think you know what happened to her was a horrendous? You know what? Oh, what... It, it, of course it was horrendous. Of course it was. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I prayed. I prayed for her. You know, I prayed for her, uh, particularly at the anniversary date of of mm-hmm. the um, of, of the crime. And I, you know, once again, I'm just going to reiterate this. I have nothing to do with it. I have nothing on my conscience. Uh, I do hope it is solved before I'm done and gone. I'm looking at the clock, and we've been talking now for. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up, but I just want to ask you two more. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I have, to, I have to go out. Fairly yeah, shortly. I'm going to be quick about this, right? It just um, it's Sophie's son, you know, look, obviously he fully believes uh, that that you're responsible for this. And I'm just going to say a quote that he says in the in the documentary. It's clear he killed her. Uh, everything, everything shows that it's Bailey. There's no question. Uh, and he says, I will make sure the net comes down on Ian Bailey. What do you say to that? Well, I mean, there's no evidence. You know, I would have been charged, wouldn't I? If there was evidence, I would have been charged in Ireland, wouldn't I? Don't you think? You know, he may say what he wants to say, and I can understand that he lost his mother. Mm -hmm. Shortly after he lost his mother, Daniel Duplantier, who he'd been living with, kicked him out of the house as a 16-year-old, 17-year-old boy. He's Mm -hmm. gone through his own traumas. He's entitled to believe what he believes, wants to believe. All I know is I have nothing to do with it. You know, as God is my witness. Okay, uh, Ian, thank you for your time. I appreciate I appreciate you answering those questions again. I know you've been asked them before, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And uh, you know, okay, uh, it was an interesting conversation. I did follow some of the format, but it, I, I think it was mostly organic. So, thanks very much for your time. <laughs>